Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, before I get started, I just want to remind you that we live full-time in the Hopemobile, which means we live in campgrounds, and whatever I hear, you get to hear. And I'm recording this more during the day than I usually do, so you may hear some background noises that you don't normally hear. Let's go ahead and get started with this topic of don't tell me to be thankful. The holiday season brings so many emotions to the surface, doesn't it? And if you've lost someone who is dear to you from this earth, which you have, your child, but especially within the past year, it can easily evoke dark, painful emotions that you may have never experienced before. Those of us who have faced this deep loss of our child, the holidays are a reminder of our missing child. Some of us don't even want to acknowledge Thanksgiving Day or Christmas as the pain of our child who's missing is greater, so much greater, than the joy of who is still here. Only those who have experienced this can understand and agree with what I'm saying. To those who are blessed who have not faced a tragic deep loss yet, it doesn't make any sense, which can cause conflict among families because each person will have a different way of grieving based on their own personality and their personal relationship with the family member who's now gone. But nobody's going to feel it as deeply as we will as the parent of our child who's gone. Some of us may try to enjoy the season. I say that loosely for those around us who weren't affected as deeply, especially if there are young children or grandchildren in our lives. But it's difficult because our hearts can be so heavy. Even within the joy of seeing their excitement, there's an undercurrent of sadness that just doesn't seem to go away. And I want to let you know that's okay. It's even normal to have this struggle. And I want to release you from feeling guilty about it. Give yourself grace, just like you would a friend if they were in the same situation. See, grief is not an event. Death is an event, but grief is a process. In fact, especially for those of us who've lost a child, it is a lifelong process. Some people will parrot the saying, time heals all wounds, and I don't agree with that. The wounds of having someone so close to us, especially our child, leave this earth is one that will be with us until it's our turn to leave and we're with them again. But that doesn't mean it will always hurt so deeply. Time will allow the pain to lessen if we lean into it and we allow ourselves to walk through the valley of the shadow of death holding the hand of the one who can give us the strength that we need. And it all depends on what you do with your time as to the healing process. And as always, when I talk about healing, I'm not talking about being all better like this never happened, but I'm talking about getting to a place where we can function again. Specifically, This is the time of year where thankfulness abounds. It's everywhere we turn, from store decorations to commercials to Facebook posts. If you're on Facebook, everyone is telling us to be thankful and to count our blessings. They may specifically say things like, you can at least be thankful that you're breathing. 
And if you're like me in those first few years, I didn't want to be breathing. So just stop telling me to be thankful and stop trying to come up with things that you think I should be thankful for. So what do we do when thankfulness is the furthest thing from our minds and it's definitely not in our hearts? Do we stay in our house and pull the curtains tight? Do we yell at the TV or the computer or our phone telling people who can't hear us to just stop it? Do we stay off of social media so we don't have to feel like we are gagging at how happy and thankful everyone else is? Well, we might do these things and we may even do more than that. I know how hard it is to be thankful or grateful this time of year, especially when those around us who have never lost a child tell us that's what we should do because it will make us feel better. Unless you can bring my child back, don't tell me what to do that will make me feel better, right? It has been 10 years for me since Becca died, and Thanksgiving is a holiday I do still struggle with, but for a different reason than you might think at this point. The last memory of all of us together for this holiday was at Becca's house. She was very ill with severe heart damage. She needed a heart transplant. She had a pump that was actually running the left side of her heart, and she was wheelchair-bound because at three years old, she had had an amputation of her left leg because of bone cancer, and she had also, after she got this heart pump, she had had a stroke, and so some of her movement was limited as well from the stroke. Now, Becca had a, a God-given love for hosting and entertaining. She was good at it, and she begged to have Thanksgiving at her house that year instead of the tradition of everyone coming to ours. There were several people who said it would just be too hard and that she wouldn't be able to do it. And I knew that I would still be the one making most of the food, and I preferred using my own kitchen. But something in me knew that Becca really needed to do this. So I rallied around her, and I convinced everyone, including her husband, who would also need to shoulder a lot of the load of doing this, I convinced everyone to let Becca host the family for Thanksgiving. Now, Becca always went what some people would consider way overboard in decorating and preparing when she hosted something, which is what made her so good at it. She was also OCD, and everything had to be done to her idea of perfection. Now, that's not always a good combination, and what made it worse that particular Thanksgiving day was that the only place to fit all 14 of us as our extended family, the only place that we would fit was in their basement. And this meant because of her lack of mobility that she had to be carried up and down the stairs with her wheelchair following to be put back in it. And she was not light at that point. It was a lot of extra work for several of us, causing some pretty frazzled nerves. But she did it, and she was so happy that day as we sat down to eat. And I, I can still cry thinking about that day. This is one of those very bittersweet memories for sure. And it's my choice to either dwell on the bitter or dwell on the sweet as you well know, thinking about the pain of our deep loss keeps us sucked under the suffocating darkness of grief. But if we force ourselves to dwell on the sweet, 
such as how super glad I am that I convinced the rest of the family to let Becca host us on what became her last Thanksgiving here on earth with us and the wonderful memories I have because of it, I find myself so very thankful. Oops, there's that word. It may seem incredibly difficult to be thankful when there is a huge void in your celebration and you may not even feel like you can celebrate, which is fine. I understand that. But I've come to know that bereaved parents are some of the most thankful people you will ever meet. Once you get past the suffocating darkness of the grief, this begins to happen to us and in us. Once you've lost a child, it causes you to not take anything for granted. And we know how important it is to both treasure our time with those we love and to treasure our memories. Even though your child's not physically here with you, your love for him or her can allow you to find creative ways to include your child into your holidays. I just have a few suggestions for you here. You can cook your child's favorite food as a new Thanksgiving tradition. It does not matter what it is. Maybe your child's favorite food was peanut butter and fluff and utter sandwiches. <laughs> I say that because that was my favorite food growing up. Peanut butter and marshmallow cream sandwiches. I know some people go, Ugh, but I loved them. It doesn't matter what your child's favorite food was. Serve it and make it a new Thanksgiving tradition in your family. At your holiday meal, make sure to give a toast to your child along with anyone else who's no longer with the family and is deeply missed. How about keeping a memory candle lit through the holidays? Becca died in the hospital, and the nurses put a photo of a beautiful yellow butterfly on her door, and I asked them if I could have that. And I put it into a shadow box with moss around it and made it real pretty. And before moving into the Hope Mobile, it hung on a wall in her hallway with a light over it. And for the holidays, her birthday, the week of when she died and, and through the time when she had her funeral memorial service, I always lit it. It was always lit during those times. So that's a suggestion that you could do, keeping something lit through the holidays, maybe not an actual lit candle with a flame, but maybe an electric or battery candle that you could get and light for your child. Take your child's photo and a special book to set by that picture so people can write fond memories they have of your child and how much they miss him or her. Those are just a few ideas. Now, if this is your first or second year without your child during the holiday season, something like this, I'm guessing it's not going to be possible yet, and that's okay. I know of quite a few families who just plain go away because it's just too painful to be home. And this is especially if your child's birth date or the death date is during that time. It makes it even more difficult. I just don't remember the first Thanksgiving we had without Becca. I think, I'm guessing, we probably went out somewhere to eat as a family because I'm pretty sure I didn't have it in me to make a Thanksgiving meal for the family. I'm thinking for probably that first two or three years even until someone convinced me to go ahead and it was time and and it did feel like time for me. But that's different for each one of us. But just know that you can eventually become thankful for the memories and the times that you had with your child instead of being swallowed up in the 
just indescribable pain at not having your child with you. It is possible. Rebecca loved the holidays, and she especially loved Christmas. Like I said, she loved decorating. She loved Christmas shopping, including the Black Friday sales. She loved the Christmas music. She loved the family spending time together. She loved everything about Christmas and being able to celebrate the birth of Jesus. When Becca died on October 12, 2011, I don't even remember that first holiday season. It came up pretty much right away. Everything was just a painful blur. And I didn't think it was possible, but the second year was even more painful than the first year. And about the only thing I remember about that second holiday season was that one of my sons gave me a Christmas gift of a beautiful heart ornament that was hand-painted in Becca's memory. The following couple of years, my heart still struggled to be part of the holiday season. I went through the motions for the sake of the family, especially my grandchildren. And I think it was maybe five years after she died that Becca's collection of snow buddies made it to my house. She had like two bins of snow buddies that she would set up every year in her house. And I agonized over whether I wanted to set out her favorite Christmas display in my home. And I did it. I cried some pretty hefty tears while pulling them out and setting them up. But once they were all out and displayed, it felt like she wasn't quite so far away anymore. I didn't think it would ever happen. But I realized I was actually making the shift from feeling like the holidays were a slap-in-the-face reminder of my daughter being gone to wanting the reminders because they had become warm memories that I longed for and I needed to embrace. There was something behind all of this that made it even possible, and that was hope. I had hope that my life would not always be this desolate and painful. I had hope that God had not reached his limit on being able to help me through this suffocating darkness. I had hope in God's resurrection power that he could and wanted to breathe life back into me when I felt like I had died after Becca died. And as that hope I had took root and started to grow, other things began to grow as well. And believe it or not, this time of year is one of the best times for that growth to happen for those of us who are grieving the death of our child. And why do I say that? First, as we come into the Thanksgiving season, being grateful opens the door to making a needed shift in our focus. There's no question that Thanksgiving is a bittersweet time for any of us, all of us, but we can't stop the unexpected grief waves that attack, which can make our hearts feel shattered into a million pieces. But after we allow ourselves the needed time to lean into the grief, we can make the decision whether we're going to stay there and wallow in it or take steps to pull ourselves out of the grief pit that we find ourselves in. In other words, at some point, we get to choose if we are going to dwell on the bitter or on the sweet. And one of the quickest ways to cross over from the bitter to the sweet is to start listing, and I mean literally picking up a pen and writing it out on paper is the best, start listing the good things we have in our lives. And I know that's hard. I know it's hard. But it can be as simple as, 
the turkey smelled really good while it was cooking or something as deep as I had six wonderful years with my child that I will never lose. When it comes to Christmas, the whole reason Jesus came to this earth as a baby was to become a man and die so that we could have life. God the Father knows what it's like to have someone very close to him die as he watched the torturous murder of his son. He did that as an exchange for us so that we would not have to stay in our place of suffocating darkness and the pain of our grief. While we are in the middle of the darkest beginning months and years of grief, it's often difficult for us to see our blessings. However, thankfulness and gratitude are choices. They really are. You can choose to become bitter and angry and broken and keep moving in that direction, or you can choose to find one thing for which you are grateful. Right now, you can think of one thing. Just think of one thing that you can be thankful for. And tomorrow, maybe you'll find another, and the next day, another. Like I said, they can be such small things. There was a bird chirping in the tree and I looked to find it. I mean, how long has it been since I've even paid attention to a bird chirping? I had someone who had been on this road for over 20 years of child loss suggest that I start a gratitude journal. So I did get a notebook and I set it by my bed and each night I forced myself to write at least three new things that I could be thankful for. I have to say it really did help and I know others who have done this and they've said it helped them also. From my personal experience and many others who are on this same road, we have learned that finding even the tiniest things to be thankful for can start to make a huge difference on this journey you will eventually be able to find things to be thankful for every day, but you need to choose it to try to adopt a gratitude attitude. Now, this is between you and God, and it isn't because someone told you that this is what you should do, including me. It's because you are ready to make a shift out of the darkness and realize that this is one of those steps toward the light and because you want your memories to not only give you pain, but to also bring a smile to your heart within that pain. You get to choose when you are ready to start being thankful. As I shared last week, I am going to do an episode on scriptures that have come alive in a new way after the death of our child. For example, last week when I shared John 13, 7, when Jesus said, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. That verse just takes on a whole new meaning to me now. Is there a verse that has come alive to you more than ever since your child left this earth? Or maybe there's a scripture that has a different meaning to it now that strengthens you or gives you some needed hope. Would you please let me know what that verse is and what it means to you so that I can share it with the other listeners in this episode that I'm working on? You can write it out and email it to me. Or even better, record it on your phone and email me the recording. It doesn't have to be polished or perfect. Raw and real is always the best when it comes to us in our place of grief, right? So whether you write it or speak it, share your name, your child's name, 
read or write out the scripture, how it's been a help to you. And while you're at it, if you are sending in a recording, would you please close it out by saying, hold on, pain eases, there is hope. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but let me share an example to show you how easy it is. So your name, your child's name, the verse, what it means to you, and if you're recording, add, hold on, pain eases, there is hope. So here is my example. Hi, I'm Laura, Becca's mom. In John 13, 7, Jesus said, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. This verse helps me to continue trusting God that even though Becca's death seems pointless and I don't understand why it happened, that someday I will. Hold on, pain eases, there is hope. So that's it. It's pretty simple, actually. If you don't want to record it, like I said, you can write it out and send it to me. Whether you're writing it or recording it, send it to laura, L-A-U-R-A, at gpshope.org. Now, I know I have been talking about the book that I've been writing for a year now, literally, called Reflections of Hope, a Daily Reading for Bereaved Parents, but I also want to make sure you know about the Advent book that's called Hope for the Future. This is a book of daily readings through the Advent season. This year, it starts on Sunday, November 28th, and it helps us to focus on the fact that Jesus really is Emmanuel, God with us, through one of the hardest times of the year for a bereaved parent. Now, through the Advent or the Christmas season, you can join me live as I light a candle on my Advent wreath and read that day's entry from the book. I do that every Sunday evening, just once a week, so you can join me for that. Hope for the Future can be ordered from Amazon or any major book outlet, and you can find out more about it as well as information on joining me live each Sunday evening at gpshope.org slash advent book. As always, links to everything mentioned today will be in the show notes, so you can just click on it and go straight to what you're looking for. Let's go ahead and go on to our birthday segment. Cheney Patrick was born on November 4th, and she is forever 20. Bo Dean Gordon was born on November 10th and is forever 23. David Shelton was born on November 11th and is forever 23. Nathan Theriault was born on November 11th and is forever two years old. Austin Augustine was born on November 14th and is forever 16. Kaysen Sandcrank was born on November 14th and he is forever 10. We know how important our child's birthday still is to us, so we celebrate with these families the day their child came into the world. If you would like to have your child's birthday shared with other listeners the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org birthdays. Fill out the form and submit it with the needed information. I am honored to be able to do this each week and would love to add your son or daughter to the birthday segment. I know you may be feeling that you cannot find anything to be thankful for this year. Believe me, I understand how you feel. I have been there. Also, please believe me when I tell you that finding just that one thing to get started, it may 
put you on the journey to start healing, to be able to function again, as it makes you think of something else, and then another thing, and maybe another thing. I also want to acknowledge that you are going to have many surprise grief attacks that you will need to allow yourself to lean into fully, whatever that looks like for you in that moment. And the fresher the loss, the more of an undercurrent of pain and sadness that we're each going to have throughout the season. But you will get to a point, maybe within the next three years or so, where you can choose whether your main focus is going to be on death or on life. Our child died, but he or she also lived. Jesus died so he could bring life, not just eternal life after we die, but a fulfilled life still after the tragic and painful loss like ours. It won't look the same. We won't be the same, but we can still have life after death here on this earth. So go ahead and grieve your loss that hurts so deeply. It's okay and it's necessary to feel that, especially during the holiday season we're coming into. But you can also have hope within that grief. Remembering to hold on, pain eases, there is hope.